Viewer discretion is advised. There's something that I think I've recognized is that we almost empower people to believe in themselves until they do, and then we stop. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing's off the table. Tonight's guest house all the way, originally from Windy Wally, but also was raised up in the CBD and Tamaki Makoto in the city. And so the man, the promising young talent, amazing, exciting talent, uh, who cultivated his, his talent at the tender age of nine years old. And so he's, you'll see him on YouTube, refining his talent, his singing. And so he's also an R&B musician, an R&B artist. And so at the tender age of 15, 15 years old, in 2013, he released his first single called, um, what was it called? Was it? I Want You. I, I Want You. I yeah, Want I You. I Want You in 2015. Um, but then he went on a bit of a break for five years. And so the man went to AUT, started in AUT, and received his Bachelor of Communications. Yeah. Um, and then the man comes back into the scene. And so in recent times, and this, this year, 2022, the man uh, goes into the, comes into the scene and wins uh, the best R&B Pacific artist and also the best Pacific song uh, at the Pacific Music Awards in 2022. And also the man is also an independent artist. And so amazing, amazing songs that he's, he's come up with. Uh, songs like Vibing Witcher, you, you got Cotton Candy, you got Jukebox, you have um, Biker Boy and my favorite uh, coming through. Please put your hands together for the man, another son of the Cook Islands, Sammy V. Yeah. Oh, look at that. We got the catcher. <laughs> oh, gangster. My man, my man. Thank you so much once again, brother, for, for coming in tonight. But um, just off the bat, before we kind of get into the conversation, um, Sam, just because you said at the tender age of nine years old, you're on YouTube. Yeah. What was what was going through your mind? Because at, at that age, you think, hey, you're on YouTube, you're a plaster on YouTube, you're singing, great, um, great singing voice, R&B. So what, can, can you walk us through, like, what was happening for you at that, at that age? Like, hey, I'm going on YouTube, I want to be famous, I'm going to do this. I feel like my memories only start at about 12. So <laughs> uh, I, I have no recollection of any of that. I just know that my, my parents were super eager to uh, get me putting up covers on YouTube. It was about the same time Justin Bieber was posting stuff and was getting a couple of million views. Just those OG days where if you post a cover of a song, inevitably it's actually likely going to be the first cover of that song on the platform. So... Um, it'll pop off. So um, yeah, it was a great way to get my, my foot in the door of, of the world of social media. Um, not that I was conscious of anything because to then life was, was simple. It was rugby 06 and oh. going to school and playing rugby on the weekend and then every now and then sing a song, you know? Yeah. And so did you know at a really young age, obviously you would have known at a really young age, hey, I, I got the voice, I got the, I got the chomps, man. I, got, I can really sing. I feel like I'm still not conscious of it now because because I've always done it, because I started singing at about two years old, it's not something I've ever had to think about or navigate. I've, it's just like, it's, it's a part of what I am. It is me, it is I, you know? Mm. Yeah, I started entering um, vocal competitions at about five years old. Um, and my first radio interview was at four. Um, and they got me on, I think it was on The Breeze. Um, and, and they interviewed preschoolers who had like interesting personalities or distinctive characters. And they just got me to sing a lot of Michael Jackson songs. Um, and I think, yeah, I had good pitching then and my parents recognized that and, you know, just figured there's something here. So let's keep entering this kid into competitions. And to me, it was no different to singing at home. So, you know, singing in front of a crowd was never anything different to what I was already doing. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. And where does that sort of musical ability come from? Do your parents sing or are there other members of the family that sort of sing as well? Or? Old man, uh, no singers. The, the old man's a, a guitarist. Um, and I think because he played so much R&B, in my formulative years growing up, 
you hear and you absorb the different melodies and the harmonies and the stacks. I'm talking like Brandy, Brian McKnight, Boys to Men, uh, Danelle Jones. And if you're hearing all these records, the, the melodies kind of come and they kind of, bro, to be honest, I think they, they shaped how I see music, shaped my brain and how I approach it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my old man. <laughs> <laughs> and did that influence in terms of like schooling and your perspective on like education and things like that because not many kids at that age I mean I teach kids around similar yeah. ages that, and I can't even imagine them being exposed to things that you would have been exposed to at such a young age so how did that impact your sort of everyday life? I, I, like I don't I'm, I'm not even sure because I, like I said my memories don't really properly begin until I was like 11, 12 but um, from what I hear I was just like I don't know. I, I'm surprised when I talk to kids because they seem really smart. And then I'm like, there's no way I was this sharp at that age. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure. I think, I think just because I was performing already at a young age, like things like speaking in front of a classroom or, or presenting or performing was second nature. So I think that's how music kind of formed how I was a, as a child. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Wow. Because you, you mentioned you were raised up in the CBD in the city. And we and I just assumed like, oh man, maybe the, what are we about? So maybe in, in Central, maybe in, in South Auckland or uh. West Auckland. I had no idea you were raised up in the CBD. So and so I think we talked earlier on in terms of your, your upbringing. And it was obviously been very, very different. And so can you describe to us like, what was it like? Because you, obviously you have uh, other musicians you meet up from different parts of, of Aotearoa or Tamaki Makaru. Sure. But... What was it like for you kind of engaging with all these other musicians and also growing up in the CBD? Uh, growing up in the CBD is very unique because I'm the only person I, I know that did. Um, so in terms of that, that whole communal feel of, of knowing your neighbour, uh, knowing who's living around the corner from you or the block, it, it was not my reality. Like you're lucky if you know your neighbours. Um, so that I guess that kind of shaped and moulded like my perspective on neighborhood and community, a little bit different, a little bit like slower to grasp all of that. But and then in terms of how I approach the wider music community, I guess it's just like, I don't know, when you meet people who have a musical talent, musical gift, it's always refreshing and exciting. So um, I don't know, just like anything. Yeah, 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 cool, man, awesome. I typically, when I imagine people in the CBD, it seems like a sort of transitionary stage or like people might go there for work and they're like, live there for a few years. I live in apartments and stuff. Yeah, yeah, in apartments and that, and yeah. then they sort of move out to wherever else, but yeah. to grow up in the CBD seems like such a unique um, experience. That's all I know, bro. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. So like, so even the things like uh, migrating to work or like traveling was, was different for me. Like a lot of people have to go a long way, whereas me, just hop on a bus and you're pretty much there. Or nowadays it's even easier if I want to get to the studio, it's normally in Kingsland or somewhere central. So get on train 10 minutes, wherever you need to be, you know? So that's just, I guess, my reality of what life is, you know? So when I hear, but there's things that I definitely envy about hearing from people from like South Auckland, for example, like all your families around the corner, like, you live with your relatives, you got like a big family household and stuff like, yeah, that's stuff that I didn't necessarily have. And I look at it and I go, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool way to like, yeah, have everything around you. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Well, in terms of like, obviously, because you're uh, half Cook and half um, European, is it? Yeah. So my, my, my old man's Afakasi. So he he's half Dutch, half cookie. And then my old lady is New Zealand European. Wow. Yeah, that's my background. Mangaya. Yeah. So with the, with the Cook Island um, identity and so forth, because uh, you know, like from the CBD 
meeting up with all these other people from you know, whether it be South Auckland, West Auckland. Sure. And so, how how was it for you in, t- in terms of kind of navigating in terms of your identity and your cultural roots and trying to figure out, okay, my Cook Island roots. This is something that is this something very important to to you, or something that you, oh, it's just just who I am. I just well, I've always been very very inherently proud of my Cook Island heritage <laughs> in particular, um, and I had quite a close relationship with my my nan, who's from Rangaia, but that was that was my closest cultural tie and connection to the cooks. Um, so in terms of like, yeah, grasping that with my peers, cause I didn't really have close cousins who were cookie, so to speak. Like it was, yeah, I think high school was big in terms of, so in primary school, I went, I went to Parnell district school, which is central, uh, very white, very New Zealand European, not too much diversity. And then I went to St. Peter's, which is like a bit of everything, you know, kids from Southwest, East, brown, white, Asian, everything. So that was definitely like a unique experience, like an adjustment or boys environment too. Um, and I think just, yeah, coming up through, this is a very convoluted answer, but coming through St. Peter's and also navigating my Pacific background has just been something I've had to learn as I as I go through different stages of my life. Like I want to learn the, the culture like badly. I want to speak it too, but they speak so fast. Like, bro, relax. Just trying to conversate here, you know? We'll pick it up eventually, yeah. <laughs> with Burgess. And, and what was it like with the other aspects of your cultural identity in terms of like the Dutch roots, for example? Is that something that you've had much connection to? or uh, Aside from some relatives visiting in 2011, not really. Yeah. So stuff I'm still trying to like familiarise myself with. Um, and I will inevitably as I like travel and explore. I see music as a vehicle for me being able to do that. I always say when I'm, when I'm so rich, I'm going to go overseas, I'm going to going to get to know like all my relatives and get to know all of my, my cultural background and heritage. I'm going to go to Mangaya, build a studio. Like I say that when I'm rich, but we'll see. <laughs> work, in, work in progress. Learn how to pay tax first. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It was, it was so cool. Um, um, Sam is because your attitude, I love it. I love your attitude. I love your mindset. Mm. I think we talked on earlier on before um, shooting or filming. Uh, you have this kind of real mindset of, of a real go-getter. Yeah. Uh, but not only just a go-getter, but a real, a real confidence. For sure. And um, and some people might think, oh, they might, you know, you might think, oh, this guy's a bit, hey, this guy was a bit much. Yeah. You know, he's a bit, bit, bit too forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that confidence. I love that confidence. And I think a lot of men, or more so even talking about Pacific men. For sure. Or Māori men. I think it's something that we need to kind of ascertain. Like, hey, we need a bit of have this confidence. Yeah. And it's, not, it's not nothing to do with arrogance or being cocky. It's just no. being confident of who you are and your abilities. Yeah. Where does that come from, bro? Uh, honestly, I think it comes from the fact that we're not we're not actually going to be here for long. Like, the, the reality of it is, is by the time you're like 35, you're already middle-aged for the most part. Um, so why would you not put your best foot forward at all times why would you not say hey here's here's something that i believe in here's something that i I want to achieve i'm going to go out and take it and i feel like it's arrogant and it's cocky when it's at the expense of someone else but Mm. for for me that that'll never be the case because i'm all about bringing my my people with me and i want to see a world where i can empower creatives like myself or not like myself just creatives in general or people in general to to have a goal have something in mind and believe in their talent enough and their ability to uh, perceive something, uh, to foresee something, and then go and make it happen. And that obviously comes with a lot of hard work, but the, yeah, the whole tall puppy thing that we have here, um, and I think the way that Pacific cultures as well, we think super collectively as well. We think about the holder and the well-being of the group as opposed to the individual, where in reality, you wanna be putting your best foot forward at all points and times um, so that you can therefore have a greater impact and influence over your communities, right? But sometimes we get caught up in the, the overall 
powder of the group <laughs> as opposed to the cell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting dynamic thinking about the group versus the individual. I yeah. feel like that's sort of an eternal conversation in terms of the way that the culture evolves and For sure. as societies evolve. Um, I was curious about, you mentioned something there about talent and I was curious about your thoughts. Something we sort of talked about prior yeah. was like, how talent compares when you think about international versus like some of our local yeah. talent. Yeah. The, the best talent I've seen in the world is in New Zealand, <clears throat> namely South Auckland. Uh, namely some of the kids that I've seen come out of our South Auckland schools and the kids that I've interacted with and engaged with through programs like UniPrep. Um, they are by far the most naturally gifted people I've seen um, having traveled to the States and Canada um, and bits and pieces of Europe as well. Just the, the, the raw ability we have is, I said it in my award speech, as speakers, um, as performers, um, as athletes, unparalleled. Um, but it's that, that self-belief that we don't always have um, or we don't empower our people to have. There's something that I think I recognize is that we almost empower people to believe in themselves until they do, and then we stop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I see that a lot. We always tell people to believe in themselves, but then once they get, once they, they, they do and you can see it, and you can see that confidence resonating off them, that's where now our, uh, our throwing light and, and shine on them stops. Um, from my perspective, from what I've noticed. And I see it with like artists that are doing really, really well um, with Israel Adesanya. You know what I mean? Like people mm. will turn on that guy. What for? He's a legend. Like, and he's uh, very unapologetically himself. And he's out the gate. But I love that. That's unique. It's beautiful. Wow. That's uh. interesting. That's, that's so interesting, um, Sam, because, you know, just, just thinking about what you just said, you know, there's a, there's a fine line where you always kind of, kind of you're believing yourself. You can do it. You can do this. Yeah. And when they start to, start to believe in themselves and when they do achieve, you're right, we kind of pull away. And so what is it? Do you think it's because they've gone to a place where you're like, oh, no, you've achieved too much or there's, there's a bit of a cap or a ceiling there. That, no, no, you can't, go, can't be too great. Yeah, maybe like it's just that humility thing. We're just so, we love humility so much, but we love it almost to like, um, not the disadvantage, to the detriment, detriment of, yeah. of the person. Like I feel like humility can only carry you so far and it's great to be humble, but you're humble in the way you treat people you don't necessarily have to be humble in the way that you believe in yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like if you have something that you know you can do, what's wrong with verbalizing it? I, I personally love verbalizing my goals. I love saying like, hey, in a year's time, I would love to perform at this award show. Not necessarily win or be nominated, but I want to perform. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's a goal that I have. And it might not happen next year, but I'll, I'll work it to the point where if I keep talking about it, it'll, it'll just happen. Um, well, that's how I found things happen so far. You know? So cool. Yeah, you ver verbalize things that you want to do in, in a way where it's not like far-fetched, but it's tangible and you're you're building the pieces around that goal to actually make it happen. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's cool. It sort of makes me think about the importance of like, you must have some good people around you in terms of like helping keep yourself clear on what your goals are and being able to work, to them, uh, work toward them sort of uninterrupted or at least trying to stay away from the distractions. Do you oh, have people definitely. around you or is it 100% like it's all starts from you, yourself, and it's just you going gung-ho towards your goals? Uh, both, both, both. I think a lot of it falls on yourself. Um, but like I said before, verbalizing your goals and verbalizing it to your friends, super, super important. Like those chinwags that I have with my bros is the stuff that like, I guess it, it's almost like, because me, right? I, I, don't, I don't have a calendar. That's probably a toxic trait. I really should have a calendar. <laughs> but I, I talk about what I'm doing with my circle all the time. 
I mean, I think because I'm, I'm very open about discussing what I'm up to, I always have something planned because I never want to go to one of the bros and not have anything happening. Um, and I'm a big advocate for productivity. Uh, yeah, oh, it's, a, it's, it's ah, productivity attracts opportunity. Do you know what I mean? So the more productive you are, I mean, it's, it's common sense, you know, the more productive you are, more things happen. For example, if I wasn't like, if I didn't leave work at the beginning of this year and I wasn't doing so much stuff, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. It's the reality of it. Like I I would probably still be like passively committing to my music dream, like obviously committing time to it, but I wouldn't be going full guns blazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Bro, you you don't mind if we run it back, um, Sam, because I love love what you you said about the cluster, you know, we as people as a cluster, sometimes we don't want to be, um, you know, we don't want to kind of stand out or be individuals. Uh, but like, I think, you're, and you correct me if, if I'm right or wrong, and you said something about it, okay, to be that to be that person to influence uh, our, our people and our cluster or the group of our people is that you sometimes as an individual you have to kind of step with your best foot forward, hundred percent, yeah, and and show the show show your people, um, but because it is, it, is, it feels like this is a, it is a, a true dilemma, eh, um, Sam, and hundred percent, that if even if you kind of step out and and stand out, yeah. And it, you know, people, uh, you know, the class is like, oh, hold up, hold up. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the majority is like, oh, you can't go that, that far. But I, I, I believe, and you, you can agree to disagree or agree, um, but there need to be individuals or men like yourself, mm. or other men who are, are doing great things to step out as individuals so the cluster can see, like, hey, if you can do it, uh, maybe we can do it. But imagine a lot of us doing it, all these different goals and achieving these different dreams. Imagine we as as a, as a as a cluster as a people for sure, yeah, and different different personalities too, like people that are a little bit different, like Lance Savali, if you know him, he's he's just a he's a different guy, you know. <laughs> but 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 that guy putting his best foot forward everywhere. Joe Damon, another example, different dude, but he 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 knows what he is. He knows what his USP is to use a, a marketing term, unique selling point. He knows what makes him unique and distinctive, and he uses it to to elevate himself. Not, not in a way where it's, it's to the detriment of anyone else, but he's just letting his light shine a little more. Therefore, his words hold more weight. Therefore, he can inspire, influence, and um, just do more, you know? We're trying to do stuff while we're here, right? So, cool. Adi Savi is another one, man. Like, that guy's unique. Like, he's, um, yeah, he's just, he's not afraid to, like, go and be like, hey, I'm, I'm into fashion. I'm into podcasting. I'm into doing these TikToks. Like, it's unique, and it's dope. I love seeing that stuff. That's cool. Yeah, man. yeah. Josh six eight five loud and styler, you know, <laughs> my guy. Yeah, yeah. He's man. a cookie too. Yeah. People forget that. That's right. He ripping six eight five, but hey, he don't forget six eight two. Yeah, yeah. And the chat, him and I, pun is on everywhere. Trust <laughs> <laughs> my pun is there. I feel bro, no, I'm feeling it. You're, you're absolutely right, bro. I think the more of us, we need to kind of do that. We need to kind of be brave enough and, and muster the courage to go, hey, let's just do this. Yeah, heck yeah. And, and regardless of how crazy it looks and how kind of extravagant or outrageous, it's like man. And it is, it is like you say, it's all about influencing. If we can influence our, our mm. people to do something positive yeah. and fulfill their dreams, then man, that's a power to them. Power. Well, yeah, I like it. For example, if I go to America, right? I'm going to America next year. We've booked the flights, we've booked the ACOM and stuff. Me and my, my producer and some of our music uh, circle are going to go over. And we're going over with the mentality and the mindset of, man, how much damage can we do within three months of an ISTA? You know, <laughs> like how many people can we meet? You know, when we get to the border, we're just tourists, right? But we're also just trying to like network and just see musically how far we can spread our wings. If we go over and we're like, oh, you know, all credit to the boys now, like fully like solid day, the boys did mean. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right at what I do. Like they're going to like look the other way. 
But if you go and you say, now vocally, I can, I can compete or not compete, but I can match any, anything you have here. I can, I can do this. I can do that. Like I'm capable of doing anything. I can write with anyone in the world. I've got a unique, unique and fresh take. Um, that's kind of how I know things will move over there. Cause it's that like, yeah, you want to go over and, and speak what you are and say what you are and be unapologetic about it because it's not arrogant and it's not cocky. It's, it's truth. <laughs> mm, nice, nice. <laughs> it's, like it's just the truth, truth, man. It's yeah, true, yeah, man. Yeah. It's mean. I imagine in like a an industry like music, yeah. there must be a lot of competition and just if there's, there must be a lot of people putting up their hands saying they they can do this. So being able to speak up about what you offer, yeah, it has to be one of the essential parts of being able to make a career out of music. Yeah, bro, low key, there's not, bro. Like people, True. people are putting their hand up Damn. and saying I can do this and I can do that. They're not, and th- that like it breaks my heart, man. It's frustrating. I see it within my friends. They're they're very they're very passive about it. Like they have these dreams and they have these goals, but they're they're too shy to post on on their story, or they're too shy to organize their own show, or they're not willing to like put their hand up and ask, "How do I do this? How can I start this process?" Well, that, that's how I did. Like it's just you just have to dare to try. You have to dare to make a piece of content. You just have to like put your A into G and put in the hard yards and things aren't necessarily always going to pop off. Trust I've made so much content that's flop. I've made songs that I listen back to now and cringe. I'm in pain. I'm going back to the distributor <laughs> saying, hey, can we take that song down? Because these lyrics are not holding up. Like, this is painful. But to me, that's all the that's all the hard yards and all the learnings and in, in, in the process, especially if you're independent. Um, nah, like, I think in the States, they're like that. And abroad, they're like that. They're like, I'm the man. Whereas here, like, Bro, you can't really say that. Like, I feel like it's it's almost like culturally frowned upon, heavy. But I was probably like that, like a couple of years back. Like, I definitely know a few radio jockeys and I've heard like from other people like, oh, they thought you were a bit much or they thought you were a little bit cocky. But I love that I was head ass at a young age, man, because like, why not, man? We're here to like, we're here to do our thing, you know? And it might take people a little bit longer to warm up to, but that's fine. I'm willing to wait and put in the hard yards. Man. Yeah. And that's, that's the attitude we're talking about. That's the mindset that I'm talking about, man. And so you, you said, you mentioned that there's some, some of your friends who are too afraid to put themselves out there. Is, yeah. is, is, is it because of that? Is it because they're too afraid of the the feedback or the... It's, it's the... it's the feeling of having worked and putting effort into a project and it doesn't blow up mm. or it doesn't pop off or it doesn't get on radio or it doesn't reach that many people, doesn't break the thousand stream mark. It's just that fear of, of failure or not being recognized. Um, and then often there's there's a there's a thing with creatives where they're, they're always comparing themselves. Mm. I know it, because I do the same thing. I'm looking at people's streaming numbers. I'm like, dang, like, how do I get to that level? How do I get to that point? Um, you can only focus on what, what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, don't don't look at it as a, as a I mean, it, it, I kind of approach a little bit like an, like an athlete. I'm very competitive, um, especially when it comes to shows, but that I can control. You can't really control the outside perspective. So that's what I mean. Like. You can only dictate what you're doing. Yeah. Until you're on stage, then oh. compete. I love people telling me they're going to be better than me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> fire me up, bro. <laughs> fire me up, bro. Yeah. And, and speech, speaking of being on stage, what's it been like, the touring, life on tour? Because that's something that not everyone gets to experience. Yeah. And we might have sort of a perception of it from what we see in the media or like movies and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. But what's the reality of it like? Mm. It's what it's what you would expect from a New Zealand tour. Like 
think if you're touring not just the, the, the glamour towns, think rural, you know, think Palmerston North, think Fakatane, <laughs> think Gizzy, think, the, re- think the realities of going to areas like that and, and performing. Like, uh, I, I've done probably 30 or 40 shows this year. I've done a lot, and I've done shows where there's been 1,000 people, 300 people, and I've also done shows where there's been 15 people. Um, yeah, and, and I, think, I think touring for me, it was just at that point where I needed to go out and do it. I'm so glad I did. I learned a lot. Um, and you take your wins and you take your losses. Um, but it's definitely like, yeah, all the stories that you see in, in movies and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, <laughs> too many beers, a uh, few parties, like uh, sobering moments as well when you're on stage and you're like, you feed off the energy in front of you and there's no energy in front of you because no one knows who you are. Um, reacting to, to, to things. Like for me, I do this little magic mic thing where I like, I bring a couple of girls up from the crowd and I'm like, you know, do my thing, sing to them stuff, put my molly on their lap, you know, give them a bit of a lap dance and stuff. Uh, and sometimes it's really cool. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's in Palmerston North. Uh, and when it's in Palmy, hey, like, yeah, I did the show and, and there, was no, there was no young ladies there. And the song comes up, it's a song called Cruising where I do it. I look back to my band, I go, boys, do I do it? And they go, yeah, commit. So I committed a, and I brought up Auntie from the crowd, uh, you know, at least at, at, you know at least fifty six years old, you know. So we're talking a young stallion here. Uh, I got to give her a peck on her cheek. Our lips end up locking. Oh, um, ashtrays. Uh, it's giving uh, terminal illness. It's giving uh, avoid young people because they might have COVID. Uh, it's, anyways, point being is that you have to push through, and uh, I'm all about giving people a show. So I'll do it. I gave her the best lap dance she's ever had. Forget counting the girls. Sam V's here. Let's go. Sorry, man. That's awesome. Yeah, because how do you psych yourself up? Because I can imagine, like, if they, you said, if they said you 15 people in, in the crowd, how do you psych yourself up? You, you like, say 50 or 15? 15. 15. 15. Yeah, 15. Yeah, one, five. One, one five. So how do you, yeah, how do you like, how do you, like, man, how do you get to, like, even just maintain yourself? Like, what the heck? Oh, bro, it's like, um, I love tough crowds because I'm like, I'm, I'm going to convert you. Like by the end, y'all all going to want a photo of me. Like you, you, you would have rem- remembered the show. Uh, I say this thing to, to performers and young artists, not young artists, I say this to artists, never let them forget, ever. Like they, they should walk away not having forgot a moment. Or like you want them to leave saying, who was that guy? And, you know, they're going to look you up and, you know, you've won them over. So it, it's just, a, like I said, it's always putting your best foot forward. Right. Regardless, 15, 5,000. Sometimes the, the, the 15 ones is, is the ones where I learn the most because I go into my, my comedy bag, you know, start trying to tell some stories, trying to connect with them on a different level because it's intimate now, right? You don't have the screaming to protect you. You don't necessarily always have the benefit of the next song. You got to connect with these people with your words. Um, yeah, crack a few jokes, sometimes controversial. Um, <laughs> We'll forget the shows I emceed because I definitely got controversial on those ones. Christchurch, looking at you, yeah. Oh, good time. Oh, I, I cracked some risky gags, eh? Yeah. What would you t- tell us? Tell us. Really? Nah, actually, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm good. I'm good. If anyone's curious, they can message me on IG. I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what I said. Oh man, man, that's awesome. How it sort of makes me think about how important it is. Like the fact that you're able to pull on like some of the comedy stuff and yeah. like other aspects of yourself and bring that into your performance. Mm. 
that must be such an important thing to understand in terms of understanding yourself and what you yeah. like other aspects of yourself not just the music but yeah. bringing in some comedy some of the other life experience that you have bro just having a a tool set so that it doesn't matter if you have if you have a band you don't have a band if if the sound system fails if everything fails can you still entertain people can you still find a way to do it yeah so I'm, I, like, I could just have a keyboard and I'd be able to do 20 minutes on some like real discount Jamie Foxx, some real wish Jamie Foxx, you know? <laughs> like I'd be playing Let Me Love You for like the cause for Let Me Love You for 20 minutes, but I'd tell stories in between, you know, I'd, I'd figure it out. Or if the keyboard failed, I'd tell stories or something, you know, I'd, I'd make it work. Bro, man, that's gangster, man. Just, but has there ever been a time where you, you, you felt stumped like, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do on this set. Oh bro, I had to MC uh, the bro's EP release party. And as an MC, you're, I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, three minutes and then handover, like to the next set. But for some reason, some of the sets, instead of like 20 minutes were 10 minutes. And now I have to buy 10 minutes of time with like nothing but the mic, you know? So that's, uh, that's a bit of a deer in headlights moment. But that's, that's testing of the character. That's when some of those risky gags came out, you know? The things that I say at the drink ups uh, that I, I leave t to the coverage of that. I said, you know what? We're going to throw it out to the atmosphere and see what happens, eh? A couple of gasps, a couple of laughs bit of this and that you just try it it's just about like yeah giving things a crack doing it Bro. what's the worst that can happen you walk away with a with a red face you know that's fine next Man. show damn you mentioned something there that uh, that's something i love is like that building of character like that complete character yeah so what other aspects have influenced your character uh, you talked a little bit about your your father as a guitarist, yeah, your upbringing. Sure. But what other aspects have, have uh, sort of influenced your character? Oh, my old man's humor. I think we have a pretty like similar like. He's he's probably more dry than me, but <laughs> we got like a similar similar outlook on on, on banter. I think he's just a clown, but weirdo. Um, but I think also going to all boys school, bro, that thickened my skin hard because I, I came into St. <laughs> Peter's like sensitive, like I was real soft. And like sweet, and I had a smart mouth, but I never used it. But being in all boys environment, eh, like sink or swim, yeah. for, for 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 real. Like, yeah, I think I learned a lot from those those years, five years at Peter's. By the end, I was uh, I was the roast guy. Yeah, <laughs> they come for me. Yeah, um, it is it's cool. Like like what Jim was saying in terms of character. In terms of obviously, you have to have thick skin in, in the in the music industry. Obviously, in New Zealand. Yo, what, what, what's been some of the, um, the just the learnings or one of the key learnings you've you've kind of kind of gained from being in the music industry in New Zealand? And like, it could be some of the the, the, the bad, ugly, the, yeah, the yeah, good. Yeah, sure. Um, just try grasp an understanding of like you know royalties, splits. Um, the business side is is pivotal you have to understand what's happening and what's happening to your record who owns the master what split of the master do you own um who's it going to how do i register my song with apra how do i do all of that stuff it's the business side that people don't necessarily know or understand um things like how do i get how do i market my song how do i get it on radio what's an epk electronic press kit how do i get that to different radio platforms those are the those are the key learnings that i think that have changed me from someone that makes music to someone that does music if you know what I mean? It's understanding the intricacies of like building the brand around the artistry. That's, yeah, that stuff is like pivotal. But also secondly, uh, what's else really important to know? Uh, where there's no door, make your own, build your own. Where there's no pathway, forge your own path. Like it's not always gonna be clear. Um, I had a meeting with a, 
with a music manager when I was 20. Someone had told him to check me out. So he checked me out and I sat down with him at a cafe and the dude just like roasted me, bro, for 20 minutes. He's like, like, I don't see anything special. Like, I like, I understand what you're doing, but there's nothing like unique or distinctive about it. Like there's, there's a thousand other people I can see doing exactly what you're doing. And I'm sitting there like, (laughs) 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 bro, I'm spazzing out here. Like I'm in the hot seat, bro. Like, ow. Like I thought we were coming to have a nice little conversation. Chinwag, no, bro, I'm just getting, just getting molested here with your words, you know? and then he said, like, what do you think makes you unique? And I was like, bro, I'm, 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 the, I'm the best singer you've ever met. And then he's like, yeah, no, nah, I don't really think so. Uh, and he's like, are you putting on live shows? And I said, well, no, nah, I don't know how. Like, how do I do that? And he's like, yeah, well, you're not, you're not doing it properly then. But I left that meeting so ticked off. And I'm like, man, I'm going to do live, live shows, man. I'm going to go and do live shows. So I did. And then I started um, putting on, yeah, a lot of live shows around Auckland. And we started building. And, you know, now we're, you know, getting between somewhere between two and 400 people coming to just about every show. Um, or because he pissed me off, which is great. Like yeah. use, uh, use that stuff to fuel you. Naysayers, doubters and skeptics, you know, we love it. It's good for you, straight up. That's awesome. Cause yeah. you, could've, you could've been like, you tell between your legs, like, oh bro, um, maybe, he, maybe he is right. And he could've obviously can get a bit of, bit of doubt in your, in your mind, like, oh, maybe I'm not a really good singer or an artist. Nah, but never, like, never, yeah, never doubt cool. you. That's cool, that's so yeah, cool, yeah. man. Never doubt your own ability, never, like, if, if you if you truly believe and and you know you know if you're if you have something that's that's special like don't don't doubt that because there's going to be people there's going to be labels coming in as well and they're going to be trying to like take control they're going to try and recognize it or they're going to try and deter you from whatever path you're on like use anything that that ticks you off and don't let it diffuse your bomb just let it hype heighten it heighten yeah, it you know what yeah, i mean yeah yeah. Because what, what do you think was his actual goal? Was he there just to piss you off or was he just kind of... I wish I knew, dude. I, like, I, I've invited him to a few, a few shows um, and he will, he will never stay for my set. Wow. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting dude. I, I feel like maybe he, want, he wanted to like, yeah, maybe tick me off and then me come back to him or something. But like, I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. I got, I got what I needed from that That's interaction, good, you know? That was fuel. That was fuel, yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting, man. Yeah, kind of seems like adversity is actually one of the ingredients that you need in terms of being able to thicken your skin, take that feedback, and sort of refine things a bit. Fire in the belly, man. Mm. Yeah, it's that stuff that like keeps you um, proactive. Um, and like I said before, like productivity is attractive. Um, attractive in the sense that things happen when you're doing stuff. So. Yeah, I feel like when you when you constantly have something going on, um, things occur. They happen. I, I made a list in twenty nineteen of all of all the artists that I wanted to work with from New Zealand, and they're all ticked. It's all done now. Yeah, and that that was when I was sitting at um, I was sitting at work at AUT, and I was sitting in my office, and I had nothing to do, which was sometimes a bit of a recurring theme there, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> I was sitting there, and I was like, I was daydreaming, and I was like, man. Like, what artists would I really want to work with? And I was like, okay, yeah, Poetic, uh, Dig Dupe, uh, Mellow Downs, uh, Swidder, uh, Page, and tick, 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 now. And then Page will be a tick. I'll work with her soon. But yeah, it's been cool. And it, uh, the only reason that has come to be isn't because I was hitting them up and like harassing them. It's because I was, um, I was doing stuff. I was always busy. I was always um, approaching every single show with, man, I'm, I'm going to be the best on this lineup. Not to the detriment of other people again, mm-hmm. but just to like the, okay, I need to go out there and like let people know, you know? And then, uh, yeah, as a consequence of that, 
they they saw that, you know, and then uh, we're friends now, which is crazy. But th- but that's a testament of, of of you being productive, like you're saying. Yeah, and obviously obviously the hard work you put in, mm. the hours you put in, in in refining your craft, and so and it's true. I, I I really believe so. When you refine your craft, you're productive, you're busy, you're going hard out, one hundred percent. People will notice. Temporize, baby. Yeah, yeah. Temporize. You you can't ignore him, like. You blink and he's on your on your phone screen again. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's that thing. And I, that's the, that's to me that is the greatest compliment when someone's like, "Bro, I can't get away from you. Like you're everywhere." I'm like, "Yes, good, great." <laughs> like that that that's um that's how I'm gonna get to a point where because inevitably my where I want to end up. My biggest goal is to be able to point at any creative in the world and be like, "Let's make something or let's do something." Yeah. I'm lucky that my, my my circle enables that too. Like I've got I've got some super super talented people in my mm. in my corner. Shout out to Eddie in particular, Eddie Y. That guy's special. Jeez, is, is it because of that, um, um, Sam? Because you know you you, you taste a bit of success, mm. uh, and you get these people you're, you're collaborating with these other artists. It, does it and obviously the the fire in the belly? Does it really? Because some people are like, okay, I've done this, and they can be very complacent. Oh, yeah, yeah just, have, just relax for a little while. Sure. But because of the the success that you, you, you're you garnering, uh, is it a real factor in terms of, man, I just want to keep going. I just yeah, want to keep going. It's nonstop. It's, I have to keep going. Well, in, in the grand scheme of things, excuse my French, but I ain't shit. Like, in, 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 in the world sense, I'm I'm nothing. I'm a tiny little speck. Um, so I, I need to I need to keep going. Um and I feel like this is like, I'm, I'm just at a, at a point in my journey where this is all formulative, this is all development, this is all building towards more. Um, and I'm 25, so I'm still pretty young. Um, and I, I just want to keep on pushing and seeing how far I can take this. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it will go. Like I've, got, I've got a relatively good foresight, but on a, on a global spectrum, I, I'm clueless because there's still parts of the world I haven't seen or explored yet. So just really keen and eager to go out there and... Um, you know, spread my pane. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> to the waters. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to ask, how have your goals changed? Because you've talked a little bit about goals and that list that you've made is, that, that's amazing, man. That's testament to all your, all your mahi. But how have your goals sort of changed over time as you've sort of matured yeah. in the industry and sort of learned new things? I, I'm especially curious about in terms of like, as an independent now versus, um, you as know, working with labels. Yeah, yeah, like how that's sort of grown and evolved over time. You just, uh, when you're independent, you just have to take complete ownership over everything. Um, you need to be one step ahead. You need to be your own admin guy, your own tax man, um, your own bookkeeper, your own promo person, um, your own booker, everything. But it's good because I feel like if every artist knew how to do all of that stuff, exploitation wouldn't happen but it's because we have artists coming in young and naive and not being taught the ropes and people wouldn't will not want to teach you the ropes because they can you know they can take advantage of that because you're leaning into reliant on them yeah you understand the value of having people win when you understand everything i get the value of a manager now Mm. i'd like one (laughs) if there's any international managers out there please take me on (laughs) give me a helping hand or two man if we could get back to you, um, you had a bit of a hiatus in terms of a bit of a break. Mm. Um, Smoker. Yeah. So, so what, what happened there? What, what was the break? You, you've released your, your your first single and then 
just kind of feel like there was you needed to go on a break? Was there something that- Nah, there, there was no like, I need to go on a break. Uh, I put out the first single and then um, I was working with Vince Harder and put out like a little EP there. Um, but that was at a point where I was managed by my, my old lady. Um, and it's just like, at that age, I was coming off the label deal as into independency. And what do you know at 16 years old? Mm. Nothing, you know? I, I failed year 11 math. So how am I going to sort of promo roll out for a single, right? You know, but I, I failed Cambridge maths, but harder here. So and I, got, I got my level one. So, you know, I got scholarships, guys. Come on, don't hate on me. I just not good with numbers. Okay. All science or good with my hands or anything practical. And I'm on my learners. Those are all my shortcomings. It's back to the question. Um, yeah, I feel like uh there was no break it was just like it was it was a period where I, that was where i was starting to take ownership of what i was doing and take control and have autonomy over my vision um at the, which at that point was still shaping because i knew i had i had the skill set and and you know the intangibles to to do it but i didn't know what it looked like so yeah there was even like i, I went to study law for example because i was like oh well i'll just be a lawyer that does music too and uh, the only person i know who's ever done that in the world is choice Vaughn. That guy's amazing. Yeah, dude uh, won an AMA, a PMA, and a Silver Scroll this year. So he's killing it. He uh, produced the Panthers Project, the music Jeez. on that. And he's also a lawyer for Dominion Law. Anyways, I'm glad I didn't end up studying law because low-key, boring as hell. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I feel like it was just all those formulative years where I was actually kind of figuring out what I was as an artist. When you're for label, you're being told what you are. When you're independent, you're figuring it out. You're molding it yourself. Yeah. Wow. So there's a, like a period of, of in your life where you're just kind of, kind of figuring it out, fighting yourself. Yeah, uh, and and also in the music industry, uh, because the, the whole premise of of of, um, of mandate is also your kind of the mental well-being of our men and just mm. encouraging other men, and inspiring them. Was there ever a, a time in your life where you felt like, man, I just I don't know, I don't want to do this anymore, or just felt like it's just it's just it could have been a period where it's just even past or even present. You just feel like, man, things are just a bit hard, man. Just, I'm just going through some my, my own dilemmas, my own my own um, struggles. I think it's good to know when you need to take a smoker. Uh, by that, like, not actually take a smoker. Like, yeah, you, you don't have to smoke. It's more the more more the term that I I really like. Like, just take a step away and hibernate for a little bit. Like after tour, I was like, I was smoked. Like I was I was gassed. I was out of juice, even creatively. Like, yeah, goodness gracious, even even creatively, right? Like I wasn't. The ideas weren't coming as, as quick fire. Things were a bit slower. I like took some time to like delay responding to things and um, just knowing when it's time to step away for a couple of days is something that has been helpful for me, I think. I think it's why I'm very like inspired now because I had this massive period from August to early November where it was just go, 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 next project single 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 music video music video tv tv interview so on so forth i just need a little bit of time to just not mm. you know get back into the gym city fitness seven dollars a week the regular membership see there <laughs> queen street uh cox's bay touch on uh, on a monday and cornwall park on a wednesday i think those are like the things that like balance me out a lot i love my touch my team's are ass this year bro <laughs> to, to the dudes, to the dudes, to the dudes of my team, to the dudes of my team, don't ever come to me and say I want work, I want work, and then drop the ball. <laughs> don't ever do that ever again, bro. That's, that's cool. That's cool. I love it. You mentioned that because you know because I can imagine it can be quite taxing. 
Yeah. You know, you're so busy, you got your schedules, you got the tours, the tour and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then it can be quite draining. Like, man. And so I was thinking, man, how do you, how do you keep yourself sane? Because it can be quite, quite crazy, a crazy time. And so it's yeah. cool that you say fitness, health, yes. um, surrounding yourself with some good folks. That's Checking cool. out with the bros. Yeah, that's like, cool. Just that stuff is like, Honestly, even just going out sometimes, like hitting the clubs, having a cunny cunny, shaking your mully is like not therapeutic because oh, I love going cover, man. I go, <laughs> I, I go to Four Shells Cover down at Victoria Park and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post on my on my private IG. I'll be like at cover tonight. See you there. And then like, maybe 10, 10, of the, 10 of my friends will just pull up. Cool. We'll just kick it there. That's stuff that I feel like is, is balancing and sobering. Um, and necessary, especially with tour, bro, because independent, self-managed, um, you're wearing it. Mm. You're wearing the tour. Like, you're wearing the turnout, the lack of turnout, uh, when it's great, when it's not great, when, like, for example, someone might not have been paid or something, there might be a process or something, you just, like, forgot to do some admin, and it's just, like, wearing all the different hats definitely gets taxing when you get, like, your 15th message about something, you know? Um, yeah, so just having your... Uh, your plan B's and your plan C's in terms of what what's, what what else is going on in your life to to balance it out. It's cool, man. Yeah, cool. Good on you, bro. I'm curious about like recognizing the signs, like before you get to that point where it's like, holy <coughs> hell, yeah. shut down. Okay, leave me alone, everybody. But like, are there signs that you kind of recognize leading up to that? Yeah, that point. Just like stress. <laughs> <laughs> when you feel stressed, like, I'll be I'll be like a show. Um, and I, I like being real hands-on with my shows. So I, I'll, I will stage manage my own show and I'll be there like behind the scenes, like calling the movements, calling on the MCs, um, coordinating all of the artists and all of the talent when they're coming on and off stage. Um, and at, at, at that point, I, I feel the stress. So I know. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's just being aware, aware of when you're getting to that point and then knowing how you can unwind or how you can address it is, is super, super important. I also acknowledge that I'm I'm super blessed that I'm in a position where I, I don't have kids yet. Um, I'm a single man, so I, I'm I'm just accountable for myself. Um, but yeah, it's just being aware of, of when you're getting to a point of, uh, like I said, stress. And then uh, what's one way you can address it in that point in time? Yeah. Damn. And have there ever been times where it's like high pressure situations, you kind of are like, you know what, I'm, I'm almost done. But obviously so much rides on you where you kind of have to persevere through. Mm. Have you ever had those moments where you're on the verge of just cutting something? Like, <laughs> nah, man, we're done. I always see it through. Always see it through. Yeah, I'll always see it through. Um, if it, The context of it is like a live show. To me, my reward is performing. Mm. Yeah. Like, because for years I, I was putting on shows and then I, was, I wouldn't pay myself for them. I'd pay all the, all the artists really well and all of the band members and everyone else look after them because to me it was more important to, to build the brand and build what I was doing and build what my collective was doing as opposed to taking like a couple hundred bucks for myself. That wasn't important. So my reward for all of that work was getting to do a 45 minute set wow. and uh, you know, connect and engage with a crowd. That was, the, that was therapeutic, being on stage. Yeah. So it's cool, nice. man. Have there, have there even been any stories, um, Sam, in terms of being mistreated in the, in the music industry um, for, you, for yourself personally? Was there times like, man, these people are just taking me for a ride? Thanks, bro. Um, with the benefit of hindsight, yes, definitely. I've, I've definitely had like friends of mine exploited. I've definitely been exploited. Um, 
but I think when, when it was happening, I was just too young to mm. know or to fully grasp. Um, and I think the people that were doing it might have just written it off as, well, he's young, like, he'll be all right. We probably won't see him in the future. You see me now, you see me everywhere. So yeah, it's just like, like I said, just being, being aware and getting to a point where you, like you understand the business side of the industry, because that's where exploitation happens. And that's where people get robbed and ripped off is when they don't fully understand or they don't fully grasp. And people will take advantage of that, which is, which is sad, but it's the reality of it. And it, it's, it'll be the same in every single industry, sports, uh, entertainment, law, everywhere. Like you, you need to go in uh, armed with knowledge as much as you can. It's good. It's good. And I'm, excuse me, um, one of the sort of interesting arguments that people have today is like the description of generations. Yeah. And so I was curious about how you would describe your generation. You know, they have like Gen Z, millennials. I'm curious about your thoughts on those generational differences. I think I said in Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd say so too. And, and I was told that there's been some research recently People sometimes think they're Gen Z, uh, you know, they're coddled and they're spoiled and all sorts. But I think there was some research about how they're actually highly collaborative, self-reliant and pragmatic, mm. um, according to some Stanford affiliated research. And so Gen Z is actually the first generation never to know the world without the internet. They value diversity and finding their own uniqueness. Mm. I was curious about your thoughts on that. Sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds a lot like me, for sure. I was pretty late to TikTok though, yeah. <laughs> and IG. I like I got on those uh, those buses kind of late. I only made a TikTok right last year, and then uh, I guess it took a bit of a liking to me. So I was like, "All right, hello, we here. I see you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that that, is Gen, that kind of description of Gen Z APA six reference too, which I appreciate you doing. Um, sounds a bit like me. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's cool. And then is it? How is it? dealing with people of like different age groups where hmm. like maybe the industry was a little bit different back then or sure. you know to them the industry has to have certain values that maybe it's a little bit different now because the world yeah. sort of evolved and moved on well from a musical perspective i think i think the the, the crux of what we do is everyone is trying to make good music so that is undeniable and that stays the same through any generation so working with with any age producer everyone is just trying to make like great stuff so that, that remains synonymous. And then the business side, I haven't had too many dealings with um, the older hounds of the world. Not since I was a youngin, you know, when I was dealing with the things like exploitation and people taking your royalties and your splits and your shares and disappearing into the sun. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that so much in within my kind of age bracket. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Mm. Is, um, is gatekeeping a, a, a sort of issue in... Yeah. I feel like at least in education it can be, and yeah. I'm always curious about whether it's an issue in every other industry as well. I've seen it in education and music. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, people can be intimidated by young talent, like especially especially in New Zealand, bro, because we're a small country. So there's like I wouldn't say there's spots, but people people might see it as there's spots and there's limited spots. So to, to have those opportunities and those platforms, I guess, um, afforded to you, people don't want to lose grasp of that um, and people will gatekeep or they'll be like he's not ready yet or it's not quite his time so that we'll, we'll let him we'll let him simmer just a little we'll let her you know he her them simmer a little bit longer while they build and while they grow and while they learn and then we'll we'll help them out do you know what i mean mm -hmm. there's there's definitely gatekeeping i mean yeah i even saw it when i was in a workplace like you know it it'd be a thing <laughs> just it's just about being aware of it and um if if you can go around it 
or if you can just make your own platform or if you can like completely bypass it then just do yeah mm. but obviously it's hard like for anyone that's in a workplace where you're like hey man if, if you're sitting there right now and you're at home and you're listening to this and you're like man i'm being gay kept i'm so talented at what i do at my workplace and like i'm not getting that role i'm not getting that opportunity uh my advice would just be to i mean you a communicate it like it's often good to like conversate about these things verbalize them because often people will let these like these feelings of frustration just simmer and boil and at some point you're going to have to go and have one of those smokers that we talked about um but yeah verbalizing it is, is helpful so go to your boss and have a chin wag hey have an a to b have a yeah he might not reply but try <laughs> definitely try what has it what has it like for yourself has it been like a personal experience in terms of gatekeeping where you felt like Man, i'm ready i'm ready to go obviously there's some some amazing artists out there and who've you know who've been in the game for for mm. such a long time and maybe it's artists that you respect like oh i put these guys in high, high regard have there been some artists who come up to you and say hey bro you know you need to do this you need to do that and you felt like mm, not really i i, I feel like yeah there's definitely been artists who've come with that but their intention has always been to help cool and if cool. it's that i'm always grateful like um yeah in fact i think one of the, one of the, the best relationships i've i've kind of fostered recently is with mellow downs man just sitting often at cover we're often there at the same time love talking to that guy because i feel like he's someone that i can relate to and that i feel like maybe i'm at a spot that he was in a few years ago and and um i can pick his brain and just you know learn a couple of things and he taught me something amazing the other day you know how there's festivals right and when you go to festivals or performances you have a writer he said, when he puts his rider down, a couple of pairs of undies. <laughs> Hear me out. You do, you do 10 festivals, right? And you, you, you put them down, you know, four, like three pairs of Calvin Kleins or two pairs of jockeys, whatever your fancy is, right? You do 10 of these times two pairs. Bro, you got 20 pairs of undies. You're good for the year. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a nugget of wisdom I would never got otherwise, you know? Cover. <laughs> Come <on>. unlocking. <laughs> it's our mutual ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nah. Get, uh, gatekeeping. Well, how about someone who like gave, you knew like they were giving you some advice and you like, man, this guy hasn't got my my best interest at, at heart. Has you, have you, have you experienced that kind of? I think I touched on it a little bit earlier with that dude that that kind of irritated me, irked yeah. me. Um, and it's just about how you you channel it, like, yeah, and just you can disagree. Like, I feel like being honest is, um, honest but respectful is something that you, you need to, to, to have in some respects, you know? Um, I think maybe in terms of gatekeeping, I've experienced it maybe a little bit with, like, festivals. I feel like I probably should have done a festival by now. But then I also am aware that, bro, in New Zealand, we just don't really listen. We don't have a strong R&B culture here. Like, if I can think of um, who's doing R&B here, it's like me and my friends. And a few more people like it's not it's not a big subculture that we have here it's more of an american thing so i'm aware of it and i'm okay with that um but i'll, I'll get in those lineups soon it's cool it's brewing i smell it yeah because <laughs> but, yeah been booked for a really cool one can't say it yet but it's dope that's cool next man. year because you're right because i think in the you know back in the days and back in the 90s 2000s <laughs> even in the 80s R&B, you had the boy bands, R&B, solo artists. Yeah. It was just it was just off. It was just amazing artists. You had all these several artists, just various um, diverse artists, R&B. But you're right. I think I don't think there's there's so there's, there's many artists in this day and age, more so no. in Aotearoa, that are doing the R&B scene. And so for you to kind of go 
I'm gonna do the R&B yeah. thing. So, so what's the? Are you, are you feeling the love? You're getting a lot of good feedback, positive yeah. feedback, or you're getting people like, oh, oh yeah, okay, um, yes, definitely both, both, uh, bro. I, I've even had people come at me for for cultural appropriation um, from the states because obviously R&B is a it's a black genre, but it's one I grew up with. And I, I have an, an inherent love and appreciation of everything about it, the melodies, the subculture behind it, um, the people and all of that. Um, so when people are coming at me like saying, oh, here's a, here's a white boy doing r and I'm like, hey man, I'm a fan. Tell me what I gotta do to like appreciate your culture more than I already am by just adhering to what you're doing by letting it influence my sound and what I like, you know? So um, yeah, just brush off the noise. Sometimes you don't need to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Especially if like what you're doing is, is true to you you know, and, and you're aware of its roots and its foundations, um, and that word detriment pops up. It's not to the detriment of any cultural groups or people. You know, I'm just making what I like. I, I'm making what I would want to hear. Yeah, and you, and you do justice to it, man. Because I heard some of the, the songs you sing, man, bro. I like, and to be honest, bro, because uh, I had a nephew who kind of introduced me to to your your, your track and to your music. Yeah. I was like, hey. I say, hey, uncle, listen to this. I was like, man, who's this cat? Yeah. And I actually thought it was a, a black guy from, from the States. Yeah. And he goes, no, this is a New Zealand guy. This is a Kiwi guy. I said, what? New Zealand? And he showed me, what? This is a Balai guy. I was like, yeah. And he's like, he's, he's Kukulin as well. I was like, man. And so the thing is, they can, um, they can kind of throw stones at you and all that kind of stuff, but you're doing a damn good job in terms of, of the way you sing in it. And it's, sure. it's, just, it's just amazing that. And I hope you just keep going, man. Regardless of oh, all the hate, like, yeah, and, and and the the smack talk. Oh, bro, it was literally like one video, but one video, and then his uh, his uh, hype man. But that's right. Come that's on. all good. It, it's good to honestly. I feel like having that is is good. Just having negativity and having stuff like that. It, it's it's good learning because when I first saw, it, I was irked, man. I was frustrated. I was annoyed. But then I was reflecting. You know, I was like, well, why? Like, why am I annoyed? Am I annoyed because someone doesn't like me? Like, when have I ever let that phase me? Like, all good. Whatever. You know, water off a duck's back cool, at the man. end of the day. Yeah. Malo, malos. Man. Malo. How important do you think it is for people that are exploring, you know, other genres and things to, like, understand their subculture and, like, the roots of, you know, whatever avenue they're pursuing? Sorry, mate, come again with that um, one? Like, how important is it, do you think, to understand? You've mentioned subculture for, mm. you know, music and that. Yes. Like, how important is it to understand the subculture oh, and like the roots of something before you. you sort of... Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can be a casual listener of anything. I feel like it's when you're, you're exploring it and you're contributing to the craft or to the art form that it's good to have at, at, le- at least a, a grassroots or, like, a ground, ground understanding of what it is, like, hip-hop. You're going to go and make hip-hop. It's probably good to know who the giants are and the forefathers and just have an understanding. Do you need to? No. At the end of the day, creative expression is creative expression. You do what you want and, and you, you make it to your heart's content. Um, but I feel like, yeah, if you're going to take it to the next level and you're going to, you know, try and take it to the world, probably good to have at least a, a ground understanding of what it is that you're, you know, contributing to, what culture you're partaking in. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Man, because I do, I, I think it's quite interesting. Um, Sam, into the music and R&B. Um, has there been a time where you felt like, yeah, because I can, I can imagine you had all this eclectic um, genres that you kind of grew up with, all these different artists. Everything. And so has there been a time where you feel like, you know, I might just, you know, might kind of put R&B to the back burner and then might try and kind of delve into another oh, bro, genre? I rapped for a bit. 
It was embarrassing with hindsight. Um, <laughs> but when I was like 19, 20, I, I listened to a lot of a group called Brockhampton, um, that, which they're like a, an American hip hop collective. Um, there's like 11 of them. And their music is super, super varied and eclectic and it's like taste and style. But at the, at, at the core of it, it's alternative hip hop. And I feel like I was letting that like style and the, the way that those guys were different, I was letting it super inform how I was as an artist. I put out a project called I Made This While, which was which is like a, I think it was like a 10 track album when I was 20. And bro, there's some weird stuff on there. Eh? Like I've, I've gone back and I'm like, oh my God. With hindsight, I only like two of these songs. The rest of them are making, I'm sitting in pain, you know? I showed at the shows, eh? like the first three rows were like the boys, like moshing and jumping up and down and stuff. Which is me and great memories, but like in terms of sustaining a career or building what I was, what I am doing now, not sure. <laughs> not sure on that one, young Sam. But I like how he was head ass about it. Like I like how young me was like, no, I'm going to do it, you know? Good on him. Good mm. cool. and speaking of groups and collectives, what's it like in terms of like their dynamic with like bands and groups versus individuals yeah. in the industry and yeah. like what that dynamic's like? Well, having managed a collective, I was part of a group called YSO, um, which was a seven piece, um, it's that Cotton Candy song. Mm. So there's seven of us in that, four artists and three producers. Um, firstly, managing a, a collective is is hard. It's a lot of people that you're trying to, you're trying to manage a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, egos, people's schedules, um, you know, people's visions. How do you make it all merge into one? That is hard to sustain. Um, but in terms of, I think, the angle you're asking, I'm also from, uh, in New Zealand in particular, we love our bands. We love our mm -hmm. collectives. We love our groups. You, you know, the, the, I mean, 660, LAB, Catch a Fire, Tomorrow People, mm -hmm. um, groups, Adija, you know, like, at ease groups duos I feel like that's sits so much at the at the forefront of our of our of our music here so sometimes the we touched on it a bit before when an individual can come out it's not i don't know people are a bit maybe a bit more slow to get behind it until they get that um that international international recognition mm -hmm. benny josh six eight five um paulie how was that the brother yeah yeah, yeah. like international recognition and then we embrace them now they're ours lord you know yeah. but our groups can can build here organically and, and be from here organically and we'll embrace them i think it's that collective thing that we discussed before we're like we, we will support the the co-pups of the of the group but sometimes not necessarily the the one yeah yeah, yeah. and it's always the case eh? um sam man you can agree or disagree that once you go out there and in, in international you know you may not be quite big you may not be uh, quite noticed here in, in new zealand yeah but when you go out there and in, in the international scene and you make it there, oh when you come back oh yes that's that's that sam v that's sam there you v. Go. yeah i even saw it when um i got like a bit of a shout out from from the bro chunks chunks is like a, a uk content creator he's the man yeah he's funny dude uh he just like showed some love to one of the songs i was on with the bros standard right. and uh bro just a shift in how people were like like treating me was weird strange bro i had an, i had an interaction in wellington after my tour show where you know the brother was drunk so he's probably just speaking as you know the, the internal hidden thoughts of his mind he's like oh bro sam to be honest with you like i didn't rate you um but then you got that chunk shout out g and now i get it and I was sitting there like, I was like, okay, man. Well, nothing about me has changed. Like, I'm, I'm still the same. 
only thing that's happened now is, is this brother who's you know very successful and very famous has also acknowledged it you know n- nothing about me has changed but it's it's yeah it's like something that i was aware of and i was like dang i would do it really have to be like that yeah maybe i do i don't know <laughs> jeez and so like you were saying just the, the influence hey eh? yeah. because it could just take one person to kind of recommend you and say something great about you and comment about you and then everyone's like oh man everyone follow suits it's like it's a cosign industry by that i mean a, a cosign is like when someone of um i don't know someone of a higher standing or higher status recognizes you or commends you or puts you on then there you go see with drake every time drake will like be like hey this person's it I guess they're it then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. It's like how people consume uh, people in a way. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you feel the pressure to, to kind of kind of change a bit when you kind of hear all that kind of stuff into the media and social media? Do you feel the pressure to like, oh, maybe I should just adjust here and there? Or maybe there's some truth to that. Is, is there any pressure on you to kind of just to alternate some of the, your, I don't know, I guess your thinking or even your... Your, your sound or your, or your music? I get you. Um, I think when I was younger, I definitely would, I would try and exacerbate my personality a lot more. And it's already extra. So I'll, I'll try and like double down on that. Um, but then kind of maturing a little bit. Uh, I think it's just, again, just having like a sense of awareness about what will work with different audiences and how it might work and strategizing things, which I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think sometimes I, I focus too much on social media and I, I just like that because like as much as people would think that I'm good at social media, I don't actually like it. I'm not actually too much of a fan of being on there all the time, but I know to keep the wheel rolling and to keep momentum pushing forward, it's a means to an end. Um, you have to, you have to be good at it. You have to learn the intricacies of, of promoting yourself. Um, it's just like due part of the course. Um, so I've kind of trained my brain to enjoy it. And obviously there's the dopamine rush when, something does well content wise. It's why we make it, you know, well, it's not why we make it, but it's like, it's one of the good feelings about it is seeing your content is reaching more people, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, if I, if I could be a hermit and just go on and, and troll, bro, I would hundred percent, bro. I'd love to just go on shit post, man. Uh, <laughs> just go and say some real wild stuff, but I know that that probably won't work. So. Man. Um, I, I was, what are your thoughts on things like luck, timing, and coincidence in terms of like sometimes, you know, you'll be doing one thing like yeah. your whole life the same way, nothing's changed. Mm. And like, you know, we we're talking about the chunk shout out. Yes. And yet something will happen and it'll like, it'll just blow up, yes. even though you may not have intended it that way. But sometimes things outside of our control dictate the way things blow up and, yes. you know, and sort of simmer down. So I was curious about your thoughts on luck, timing, and coincidence. Uh, I think. The thing that Chunk saw, I had a gut feeling that was going to blow up because the clip was like, just had a feeling about it. It, it, was a, it was a snippet of me singing in the rain at that music video shoot. And I'm like, okay, I haven't, I haven't seen anything like this in a while. So it's already got that nostalgic feel. Uh, it's a good song. The vocal talent's there. It looks cool. It's a music video in the rain. So I already had a gut feeling that that might connect with people. Um, I think timing is definitely a thing and sometimes things just happen for a reason, man. Uh, example, Vic, the bro Victor, 685. Yeah. I, I, I haven't talked to him about it, um, but I, I, I don't think he intended to put it out for the World Cup. I think he just put it out because he has a plan that he's sticking to with the single rollouts. But the timing just happened to be absolutely spot on, perfect, bingo, yeah. perfect. 
And um, yeah, bro, that excited me a lot, like seeing that guy. Because he, he's, he's a freak. Yeah. He's so much more talented than people know. Because he produces everything, mixes everything, writes everything. Like he's a, he's a freak, bro. Jeez. So I'm, I'm excited he's he getting some flowers right now, you know? Yeah, that's oh. cool. It's cool. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that, um, Sam, because we've been talking about it this week. Like, man, what a perfect timing. You know, the tour Samoa makes it to the yeah. League World Cup, make it to the final, the beat England semi final, beat um, Tonga in, in the quarterfinals. And then you get the 685. And this that's this song has, has been blasting all over. It's an anthem. So, yeah, the, it's like the th- anthem now, you're right. All the parades, everyone's singing the, the 685. Come on. And so, it's, it's, yeah, but it goes like what you were saying before. If you're, if you're productive, if you're ready, mm. the opportunity, opportunities do arise or come. Yeah. You're ready. You're ready. And then even if the timing is, is aligns, everything aligns, but you know that you're ready. Productivity is attractive. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just a, a shining example of that. Um, he, I think he he described it on TV as, as God's timing. And it just, just happened to, to fall at the right place at the right time, eh? So, main. It's cool. How good? It's cool. And yeah. Yeah. And speaking of productivity and, um, you know, we've sort of talked a little bit about sometimes some of those barriers yeah. in social media, you know, we've talked about as sort of a modern uh, influence in times. Uh, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on the biggest challenges for men today that you sort of see um, mm. and perhaps you have a unique experience um, from your upbringing through to your international yeah. um, travels. But yeah, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. The, the, the biggest challenges for men going forward, but also presently at the moment. Oh, overcoming self-doubt. Mm. And that's, that's in terms of everything like our interpersonal relationships, um, how we approach our work lives, how we, how we carry ourselves. Like I think a lot of men are not comfortable being vulnerable or being like completely authentic in the way that they are because they, they believe they have to adhere to a certain you know, role or they have to be a certain way to appease other people or to help people or to support people. I feel like that's the biggest challenge. Um, and how to address that, like I said before, the power of the smoker, the power of the chin wag, um, like conversating with, with, with the bros is a big thing. But then also, I'm, I'm also so, so aware that like some people just don't have those those support networks and those foundations in place. Um, yeah, to that, that's, that's a tough one. I'm, like I, My advice is always just, just to write it out because if, if you always have some sort of vision or foresight as to what you could do with your life or some sort of talent or dream or belief that you have that you can do. There's always that, do you know what I mean? There's always that, that next thing to look forward to. Um, I think when, when men start getting bewildered and down is when they don't have that, like that's when they start dealing with mental health issues and, you know, confronting depression and things is when they don't have that, that next project, that next something, that next step, um, or they don't have that support network to empower them. Yeah. So, that's always my voice is just to have stuff to look forward to every day, whether that's going to the gym, whether that's going for a run, you know, go for that 3k run might feel like ass, but you did it. You know, you take something off for that day. Uh, if you're an artist, schedule your next release or try and book a show, force yourself to do it, force yourself to send an email. Just that's, that's always, I guess my way of like keeping on top of stuff is just always having things to look forward to. And then, uh, yeah, you're always like excited and eager beaver to crack into things. Yeah, well said, well said, bro. Because uh, it's interesting. I had, I had um, I was at a workshop today, and then, um, and one of the, one of the the guys there said, "Hey, man, men just don't like to talk." 
Because what are you, what are your thoughts? Do you think we as men like to talk? And I had a, I had a guy say, "Hey, we we don't like to we don't like to talk. We don't like to express our feel, our feelings." And I know this; it's an old adage we always hear all the time. Mm. But what are your thoughts? Do you think as men and, and and in terms of this generation, do do you think we do actually like to talk? What are your thoughts on that? My boys do. Yeah, we're pretty good like that. I know I know I'm I'm lucky, um, but my my friend circle is all very expressive. Um, and if if any of the bros are feeling like dusty or ill, or just phone call, you know, or we will schedule something, or let's go to the movies, or let's go to the gym, or come play touch, come jam. Like it, it's just like we, we we all stay connected with each other, and, and we find ways to vent and talk. Like uh, one of the bros I go I go to gym with, I, I I know I know both of us benefit mutually because we just talk about life on the way to the gym. City Fitness seven dollars a week, Queen Street. See there, uh, but on the walks there, it's about a twenty minute walk from my house, and every time we all just unpack life. Uh, unpack everything, you know, relationships, music, things that are like personal, so, you know, just unpack it. It's always good to have an ear. It's cool, man. It's yeah. cool. I like it. I like that you're able to talk and to express some of the things that are happening for us mentally. That's that's awesome, bro. That's some cool. can't, eh? Yeah, it's, mm. yeah, some can't. And I, I really feel feel for those people. Um, <coughs> but that's when I, I go back to that point before, like just give yourself stuff to look forward to. Um, and when you do, that productivity attracts not necessarily other opportunities, but it also attracts people. You'll meet people. You'll find those people that you can unpack things with and talk to. Um, yeah, I think a lot of those like opening up skills and, and being okay to be like vulnerable uh, were things I learned from my, my later years in high school. Um, and also at AUT, we had a we had a I had a great a great mentor there, like who's one of the most amazing women that I've I've met in terms of just a leader and a person. Her name's Veronica Pritchard. And she's just the goat. She's amazing. Um, and she was my boss for a couple of years. And just like, yeah, I don't know. She's just the goat. Just taught me a lot about how to unpack things and how to feel comfortable unpacking things and talking about, um, freely talking about yourself and how you're feeling and what you're going through. Yeah. Cool. It's awesome, bro. Did Veronica work at the uni? Yeah. I think I've, I've met her before. Bro, she's the goat, bro. She's mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. She's, um, yeah, one of, like probably like, I describe her and then there's a couple of other girls that I describe as like the, they're like, they're like the angels that sit on my left shoulder. Like whenever I'm about to make a bad decision, they're there like, <laughs> they're there telling me like mentally not to do it. I'll do it. But like, I'm thinking about them, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'll let you down. So I can't tell you about this thing, but, um, appreciate you. Man, that's awesome. This is cool, bro. Shout out Veronica. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, you know, the perceptions of men not talking, mm. I was curious about, um, how music today impacts how men are perceived as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, different genres, you know, of, I guess music is so unique but and subjective. Mm. But what are your thoughts on how music impacts how men are perceived today? Um, are, are you picking at kind of like how you've got your, your kind of drill culture and stuff? Yeah, yeah. You got, like, you got like your hood music? Yeah. I, I talk about this a lot like with my friends. Like it's interesting uh, observing the different different cultural dynamics within music. You've got the... the the pop groups, the pop circles. Um, you've got what I call the underground scene. Um, and those dudes crack me up because the, those dudes low-key have the biggest numbers out of anyone. Like on YouTube, they're popping. Undeniably, their numbers are crazy. But those dudes are also the ones that I'm going to reach out to and go, hey, bro, like, have you thought about trying to get your stuff on radio? And they're like, no, 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 the hood will speak for me. And I'm like, oh, bro. Okay. Uh, I feel like, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of music subcultures and stuff 
And how do I feel about it? I don't know. It's just kind of, they are what they are. They, they, I think they are happy and content being like, like, like that, you know, there's the commercial hip hop dudes. Uh, you've got like your, I guess your more alternative R and B scene like has and Malone, what they're doing. Um, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of subcultural groups. You got country of Tammy Nielsen and you got Troy Kingy who kind of interweaves his way in between every single world possible. Um, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool to unpack it and seeing, yeah. seeing what people are doing. Um, <coughs> I don't necessarily have any thoughts. I think they just, they kind of exist within these little they cultural brackets. They are what brackets. they are kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's cool. And mm. so what about yourself as an artist? Like what part of society do you want your music to kind of impact or? Well, I see myself as a little bit of a, bit of a genre blender. I go everywhere. I, I kind of like being someone that can kind of like flow and interweave between different like groups of people and, um, yeah, just kind of be a little bit of an ear to the ground. I love having my ear to the ground, man. I, I love seeing who's coming up, like who's the next generation of talent, um, and just trying to trying to be supportive of, of those people. There's a 17 year old artist by, by the name of Elena, um, central central gal. She's she's dope. She's R and B and she's crazy. She's like the first um, the first singer I've worked with in a space where I'm like, dang, you're really good at a really young age. You're sharp. Yeah, so. Shout out to her. But what, what is it? What is it that makes that that individual or someone you like, man? This this person has the X factor. Like, whoa! What, what's what's it, is it the pictures? Is it just? It's everything. It's, it's the way, I think you you get a bit of a get a bit of a feeling about someone when they're a little little different, or the way they carry themselves, the way they hold themselves. A little bit like star quality there, you know. If this person's got some sort of self assuredness about them, where they're, they're comfortable in their own skin. Um, and they have something different and they know they have something different. When people, when people finally grasp that they, that they are talented or that they're special at something, it's like a superpower. Take off, you know? Can't stop them from like, after that. They're on their own trajectory. So hopefully um, those young artists that I know, the youngins, they get to a point where, because they're still, they're still developing and learning. I, like, I just hope for them that they get to a point where they're like, yep, I've got it. This is mine. I'm going to go take it. It's cool, man. Yeah. Man. This is... Yeah. Uh, I was going to say with you know with all the learnings and the experiences that you have uh, I'm curious how you would describe yourself you know as artist musician businessman communication specialist mm. can you order those roles in terms of what's contributed most to who you are as a person mm, probably clown number 1 <laughs> um, I think just like authentic confident um of us to describe myself just yeah you kind of see what you get. You get what you see. Sorry, like I'm, I'm, I'm myself, just like you know, all the time. So, the way I am in, in this chinwag is the way that I'll be in a chinwag with you on the street. I'm, I'm approachable, easygoing, um, and happy to help, and enjoy helping people. Um, just don't try to get me to do a gig for free, please. <laughs> this, is like, this, is my, this is my job now, bro. Like, hey, who's coming? Who's? <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've done a few decades of like community gigs, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, just I don't know, just number one would just be like uh yeah, just a, just a weirdo who's doing his thing. Yeah. Well, just cool. happens to do music and enjoy it. And I, I like it you say that, you know, you you're the same, you're the same wherever you are. Yeah. You, you like to have a, a bit of a corridor or telling all with someone and just it's just who you are. You're, you're the same here, you're the same one on stage. Yeah. You're the same wherever you are. Uh, with, sure. with your, your friends and I think that's quite rare nowadays because mm. sometimes you have to like you said you have several hats uh, but sometimes people feel the need or to, to to adjust or adapt 
to different um, people or different situations. Yeah. But like the, I like it, you said it, hey, I'm the same wherever I am. Just less filtered, mate, yeah. that's all. A few more swears in the flesh, <laughs> to be honest. And then uh, some, some more inappropriate stories. But like, pretty similar, like, yeah, what you see is what you get. Like, and I'm, I'm very honest and candid about my experiences because for that's the only way you can actually like help people is when you're just real about stuff. There's no point in me lying to people and being like, yeah, what I'm doing, all glitz and glamour, all amazing, all money, um, all awards, all fame and success and fandom and fanfare and star power. That's, that's not true. Like, and that's not my experience of it either. So, um, yeah, you just have to be like super genuine with it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Hey, you mentioned that, yeah, that's cool. I think we need to touch on that as well. The Pacific Music Award. Heck Awards. Yeah. Bro, you, you won the, the best artist, R&B artist, and then you won the best specific song. Yeah. Bro, what was, did you did you have any inkling that, that I've, I've won it, I've got it, or did you just like, well, I'm, I'm just surprised, wow. The Sweater one, I knew, because that song went off, Cow's Garage. So I, I just did BVs on that. So I, it's low-key that they did the group project, and then they carried me, and then I just added some sprinkles on at the end, you know what I mean? But I, I had a feeling that one would win. So I was super gassed when, when the bros took that one. I kind of claimed that one, kind of don't, because I was a late contributor to it. Um, but then the R&B one, um, bro, I remember ye years back, like I, I saw my friend Ezra win that award. And I, I was like, I saw that and, and she uh, worked really closely with my producer. And at that time we were doing a lot of sessions together and I'm like, like, man, if she can do it, like I can do it hundred percent. And I really want to perform at these awards because I feel like if I have that opportunity to perform, anyone that doubts or doesn't believe or doesn't want to see it, see what I see in myself, can't deny it anymore. If I get that opportunity to perform, it's inevitable. Like you can't, you can't deny it anymore. Um, and I got it this year. That, that was what I wanted more than anything. Like the award was, was lovely. And, and that opportunity to, um, I guess, wear the moniker of Mr. R&B is, is something that I like hold highly, but I wanted to put my best foot forward and have the best set of the night. That was my goal. That was my only goal. So if my friends that were at the awards, I was sitting there the whole night at my table, not talking to anyone until after I performed. My head, I was just focused, bro. Like, yeah. Those who were there, that, that, the bros know. I was just, I, I was a, I was a different beast. I was like full, 100% focused. Just, um, yeah, trying to put best foot forward. I know every single half flat note I did in that performance. And I know, cause I've, I've gone and unpacked it and picked it apart. But I know I like went out there and did, killed it, did, what, killed I, did it, what I needed to do. It. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a goal of mine for years was to get up there and um, I don't know why that award spoke resonated so strongly with me. I think it's because it's um, like there's that whole cultural thing of like me w not even initially being embraced as a Polynesian because I'm I'm white like I'm I'm white passing um, 25% PI and I'm super super proud of that. But like. Yeah, for years it was like, oh, it's that Palangi guy that's like, you know, just within our fold. And it was like, I think for me, it was just massive to, to be part of that and contribute to that and embraced as as PI artist was massive for me. Um, yeah, especially leading into the awards, but just going there and having fun was dope. It's cool, man. And then you and then you, you rock up and do your speech, you, you win the awards. Had my choir there? Yeah, 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 the, the choir. And so did you have, in terms of um, your speech, um, was, it, was it like a, a specific goal when you wanted, did you have anything planned or was it just like off the cuff, obviously it's going to speak from the heart? They don't tell you if you're going to win, eh? It's a bit of a stitch up, <laughs> eh? So like, uh, 
just just because of my time in the industry, I'm like, well, I've been nominated, but I think Emily will probably take the award. Just been at it for longer. I think her song had more streams or something. So I was like, okay, nah, she'll probably she'll probably take it. And I'm just like, I'm happy to be here. Like, it's just cool for me to like brush shoulders with everyone here and um, just happy to be part because that was my first time being invited, uh, first time being at the table, first time everything. Um, and then to win it was like, because I remember with the award, my whole my whole table. They must have had an inkling I was going to win because they all huddled around me. I had a bit of an inkling because the cameraman uh, came up like a song before and started like angling the camera towards me. And I'm like, okay, I think I might have won. And then uh, I just had my head down, caught it. And I was just like, yes. Ah, a little bit of a weight off the shoulder, man. Because just, um, yeah, from the time I was nominated, it's like, no, you're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. You're the R&B guy, the R&B guy. I was like, no, it can't be true. Did it. And then uh, the speech was just, just how I speak here, like it's candid. It's the stuff that I think about and the stuff that I that I feel. I just uh, went up and um, yeah, I think a lot of people were were shocked to see me speaking like that. Because if, if you speak to me on a, I guess on a day day to day, I'm a bit of a clown. You're probably just going to hear me be like, "Punish on," some like some like stupid shit. But um, yeah, I think that's the first time a lot of people have heard me like speak like that. Like you know, I was a scholarship boy. I got some gabber in me. Yeah, man. I can uh, I can talk a little bit, but uh, it's just just stuff that I feel. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, yeah. We, I watched this. I watched the speech, and it just seemed like you're real, real proud. But also, there's some, there's, there's some passion there. There's a real passion in terms of the poly movement, you being Pacifica, mm. uh, but also um, just encouraging, encouraging, influencing um, those the, the younger generation. Yeah. And so was that was that kind of like the the aim when you got up there? It's like okay, I'm just, just gonna I'm just gonna bring it out there. I'm just gonna speak from my heart and just really say something inspirational. I was just just chuffed, eh? Uh, when I got up there and then it was, it wasn't a feeling of I need to say something inspirational. It was just, um, uh, firstly, who do I need to pay gratitude to? Um, so my producers and my team and my, my choir kids, call them my kids. Like a lot of them are, are comprised of the students that I had at AUT. Um, and then it was just, uh, you know, we have to leave with some form of, some form of message. Um, and the message was, was pretty much like the spaces that we are in, and uh, we represent the current crop of Pacific talent. We are not always going to be that. Um, so while we are in these roles and while we have this influence and while we have these opportunities, use them to gas up the next you. you know? cool, man. Yeah. Man. man, my man. Crazy to think. And I'm curious about, in your mind, mm. of all the things you've done, what is the moment or or project or item or mm. moment in time that you're most proudest of mm. damn honestly probably that awards performance was was the moment that i'm like i look back on and i'm like yeah because i was watching that the day after and i was like i'm not an emotional person but i was like am i like am i tear ducks opening <laughs> like this is after like a massive bender like, <laughs> and, and, and I'm watching I'm watching the footage of the awards and I'm like like bro like why, why do I feel like emotional like this is this is something that uh, just an immense sense of pride and it's because I had I had my kids from AET up there with me I had my band my homies on stage I had my friends in the audience um, and it was it was a shared experience for, for all of us um, and for those that had been journeying with me for years is like yeah this is like low key this got somewhat could be considered this dude's little breakout party. Um, Cause a lot of people that are in the industry that maybe didn't believe it or get it knew. And I, I know they, they knew, I can feel it. I felt it in the atmosphere, you know? 
um, I don't know, yeah. I, I'm proud of my hustle in my earlier 20s because um, I was working full time and then going to the studio and spending late nights in there and then going back to work, rinse and repeat and then doing music videos on the weekend, putting on shows. Like, I'm proud that during those years I was, um, I kept my A into G and I kept my head up and I stayed really, really focused. Because um, uh, if I didn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. You know, we were break, bro, we were breaking into buildings to do music videos. Like, we were doing all sorts of cactus stuff, bro. Like, one of the bros had a mic uh, and, and a camera and we're just like, ah, oh, okay. There, there's this, uh, there's this abandoned building on, uh, on Anzac Ave. Um, and it's like, it's dope. Like there's all this like graffiti in there, artwork, and there's an abandoned piano and stuff. And, you know, took off the, the windows and went in and did a music video. <laughs> It's called Dream State. Check it out. Bro, bro. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's crazy, bro. Hey, uh, hey, and we're, we're also in my fourth time as well, um, and your time, Sam. But um, I need to ask you because uh, just, just, just one more question from, from me. Um, and Jay might, might have some other questions. But Sorry, bro. I don't know. I'm not too sure of, of the end game, um, Sam, for you and, and, and the, the ultimate goals that you have. Yeah. I do want to ask because there's a lot of R&B artists out there. There's a lot of R&B artists, and there may very well be some more artists, kind of R&B artists, kind of who are inspired to kind of follow you, your, your steps. They're going to come give me a fussy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, what, 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 what sets you apart? What, what's going to set you apart from all these R&B artists that come out there and say, "Oh man, you ask me about my USP." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's yeah? What's going to really put you like? Head over, head over heels in terms, of, in terms of like men or head and shoulders like head and shoulders in terms of I am still the man in the game in the game regardless yeah. of who, whoever the next generation comes up um, so what's going to really kind of set you make you hey this is Sammy V Sammy V this is this is the R&B artist uh, it all. it'll be a combination of, of my self-belief merged with my unique personality I can talk and I can perform with anyone um, regardless if they're a superstar or just amazingly talented, I can I can do my thing and and leave an impression. And then just vocal talent, mm-hmm. like I know vocally I can. Um, like I sound like an athlete, bro. Like I sound like a quarterback. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm the best quarterback in the draft. Uh, I've got the intangibles. I've got the, uh, the 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 arm power, the strength. I've got the scrambling ability. But it's like I, I know I've got the the skills on my tool set to to be successful anywhere doesn't doesn't even be New Zealand could be like I could go overseas and still be unique over there just because uh, yeah I'm, I feel like I've got this I'm just a distinctive person I am who I am and I, I've embraced that um, and everyone should be that but sometimes we fall into the trap of trying to be like something else or trying to sound like something else let's do your thing man let's do your thing bro man awesome bro word, yeah. Yeah, word man awesome, awesome. man I, I just a thought that came to mind during our conversation. We, we talked earlier a little bit about Tall Poppy um, and sort of the collective versus the individual and the safety that comes from being in like a group. A group yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, safety is one of those things that's pushed, you know, having a safe space and all that sort of stuff. Huh. But it's interesting seeing the flip side of safety where people want to feel so safe in a group that they're willing to pull people down sure. so that everyone else feels safe because it's not fair on the group if someone else is out yeah. exploring and succeeding and all that sort of stuff. So I just, it was interesting that in our discussion, you helped me sort of understand that there's two sides to everything. You yes. know? For every good thing, like safety, for example, yes. there's the flip side of where it can also be too much. And yes. so 
navigating that balance is so important, I think, in terms of being self-aware about the environment that we're entering, the industry that we're in, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I just want to say big props on, on your journey and, and just all the stuff that you've blessed us with tonight. Thank you, bro. Um, and, and the last thing for me was, I was curious if you were able to share a defining moment or a, a real heartfelt moment uh, or a memory that you have with you and your parents. Mm. Um, I often think of every successful man and woman have been shaped by the people that raised them yes. in some way, shape or form, whether it's uncles raising them, grandparents. But I'm curious about your parents, hearing about your father especially, he sounds amazing. Mm. So I was curious to hear about some of those personal connections and the moments that you think of, you know, like when you're just on your own and you're like, man, that was a good time with me and dad or, you know, you and your family. I think my old lady taught me to be head ass um, just in the way that she was managing me when I was young. So like I was entering like, bro, me and Jackson Owens low-key have had a very similar trajectory. Uh, he's spent a bit more time overseas, but we were entering the same five minutes of fame vocal competitions at the same age and doing the same songs without knowing each other. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that, that she was putting me into these, these positions, these spaces. Like I was on TV really young. Um, I think not necessarily shared moment, bro, but shared moments. She just got me into a lot. And, and, and pushed me into doing theater, into doing acting, into putting my best foot forward and trying all of these different things out. Um, and like not, not being satisfied with just being part, like wanting to be an active contributor. I think she instilled the sense of like, if I'm gonna be in a, in a musical or in a show, I'm gonna be the lead, man. I'm gonna be the guy here, or I'm gonna try and be the best. Maybe it's like toxic competitiveness, but like it's, <laughs> it, it's something that I'm glad that was instilled because it's why I am the way I am. And then my dad, um, yeah, similar with, with, with that dude, I think he's like, he was like stubborn. Like he, he was more gutted than me if I would lose a singing competition. And by lose, I mean in coming second because I never came second, but I did twice. And he was like, he was mad, bro. And like, I think that's that like competitive, toxic competitiveness but like it's something that i'm grateful that they instilled in me because it's kind of like obviously i've learned not to be a sore loser now but it's um it's a sense of like not being not being satisfied with with not being great yeah that's kind of what i think they both instilled in me like there's no like moment or like word or something like that it's just just a an amalgamation a collection of everything um that's cool yeah i mean i always try to make my dad proud on the rugby field Whenever he came to watch, I'm like, I'm going to score some meat pies today, which Loki made me the greediest midfielder in the world. Um, but I mean, the stats speak for themselves. 13 tries in under 13, Grandma Blue, captain. 13 tries, 13 games, can't go wrong. Forget the win-loss record. Forget the win-loss record. We just want, we just want tries here. I, I, was, I was a little shit when I was young, eh? When I'll, I'll show you footage after this, but I, it's, actually, it's bad. It's actually bad. And I hope my kids aren't like this. Um, I'd, I'd make a break and I'd, I'd be running and then the kid would be chasing me and I'd wave. And then swan dive. Like, <laughs> it's like, moip say, what a little shit say. <laughs> oh, but are uh, you touched on a point before? Sorry, um, uh, about like, like tall poppy culture uh, and stuff. Yeah, it's natural to be envious, um, and and to and to see someone doing something really great and be like, I want that for myself, bro. Use that as fuel, man. Like when when you see like, uh, for example. If you see Josh 685 being the biggest artist in the world, champion that, that's motivation, bro. 
if the bro from Rewa can do that, why can't you too? Like, you know, if, uh, if old Sammy V, who's had the longest come up story of all time, you know, a decade plus, can start getting his flowers at the age of 24 and start being recognized on like more of a global sense, just a little bit, what's stopping you from doing it? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, use other people's success um, as, as something to be motivating and as fuel. Um, doesn't necessarily need to be something you're envious of, you know? Um, yeah, that's that's kind of something I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. Cool, that. man. It's cool, yeah. man. Mad props to you. So, mad props. I've, I've just had a, had a blast talking to you, bro. It's just, and and just, just you being candid and, and being authentic. It's just, it's so cool. And because you, you're, you're still very young, you're 25 years old. Mm. And just the, the depends who you ask. Yeah, yeah. Depends who you ask, man. <laughs> I, feel, I feel, I feel old. But but you have you have you have a wealth of ex- experience. You've been obviously been in the game for, for such a long time. Mm. And uh, you know, just going back to what we talked about, the cluster and the groups and and being an individual and influencing, bro. You just you just shared it. You just shared, the proof is in the pudding. You shared it at the the Pacific Music Awards. Mm. You go out there, you as an individual, Sammy V. You have, you have your choir, you have your band, yeah, and you have the cluster of people behind you and backing you, mm. and you're inspiring them. Mm. So we talked about it. And said, bro, that's an example. You just you just shared the example of, of what you're actually doing, and you're actually doing it. Yeah. And so props to you. So props to you and, you and the things you do, uh, the movement, your your music, your career, your and your endeavors, bro. And I believe I believe 100. AJ, bro, you, you know you're gonna make it. And the thing <laughs> is, this, like you said. The thing is, like you said, oh, when you make it, oh, we'll just stop it there. Mm. We're just going to keep cheering you on. We're going to keep keep yeah, going. Yeah. Okay, sure. let's, let's <laughs> keep, keep going, brother. Keep going. And so, bro, man, for the daily level also, yeah, we've been really blessed for tonight, bro. Appreciate Oops. it, fellas. Know, hey, mate, take your Hey, nice and man here. Oh, my man. It's been a pun is on, chin wag. I'm grateful. It's been cool coming into a space where I can, like, can just share and just yeah. yarn. Um and I've been watching the the snippets of this party for a while, so I, I, I know the vibes. Um, and the dudes that are coming on here are like people that I'm seeing as as movers and groovers. So for you guys to even reach out to me for this is like cracking a little bit. <laughs> no, baby, yeah, but we, we're, we're on it. We're, we're on it. We're privileged and all love, like Jay was saying. But um, every person that comes on, we always give them a gift, give them a, give a, a caricature or a sketch of 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 them or your or you. So also, this yeah. is on behalf of the Mandate team. This is for you, Moose. Oh, let's go. Oh, it's my awards for two. Look at that guy. You even got my braids. Yeah. Bro, man, thank you. you. That's, that's lovely. That's for you, man. That's for you. Thank you so much. You got my hazel eyes. Bro, man. There's, there's, there's <laughs> eyes, man. There's killer eyes, there's those man. cookie eyes, eh? <laughs> that's what works in the clubs, for real. <laughs> you, talk, you talk to the tongue girls, you say, there's gold in your teeth or there's gold in my heart. <laughs> Well, oh, man, it was, but hey, it was, is, there, is there anyone? Is there anyone that you can think of that would be ideal to come on the podcast? That it could be anyone from the top, <coughs> of, the top of your head. Well, you, ah, oh, bro, we were mentioned before, Riggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, yeah we uh, have Riggs. you had, have you had the bro Kings on yet? No, no. Yeah, we haven't had Kings. That dude's like pretty, pretty sharp with the old Gabba. Um, Eddie on the beat as a as a as a producer, who's doing his thing. Wow. Um, Rory Noble, if you know Rory Noble. Just been nominated for a Grammy, bro. Um, he did some work on Burner Boys Project. Um, oh, bro, Astro. He's he's Eddie and Astro are like probably my two go-to producers. Um, Astro just produced Chris Brown's latest song, and he's from South Auckland. What? Yeah, Crazy. he's uh, he, uh, I think he's twenty-seven. Yeah, 
It's not that Christmas song, is it? Yeah, Giving Christmas. Oh, mate. He's on the credits, Giving Christmas. Wow. It's Aaron Strickland on, on the gap that helped, uh, you know. Oh, Aaron Strickland. Oh, is that the bassist? Is yeah. It? Oh, wow. Played bass for me at the awards. Um, I acknowledged him in my, in, in my speech as well. He just um, prodded Chris Brown's latest track. Wow. Crazy. So that, that's someone that, like, his story is amazing. Like, he's, um, bro, I don't know how long that guy's been grinding, doing placements, trying to, like, in particular, Breezy. He really wanted a Breezy collaboration. He'd been working for it. And he uh, he got it. Uh, and it's like, bro, seeing that within my circle, bro, and seeing people like Rory Noble, who's not necessarily in my circle, but he's in the music kind of sphere here, getting Grammy nominated and stuff, like, makes everything feel within reach. Bro, it's so bro. motivated. That's why I made a Christmas song, bro, because I saw Aaron got the Chris Brown collab. Mm. Yeah. Bro, man. Bro, that's, that's cool. Hey, if you're listening, um, those individuals that that Sam is, um, has called out, please, hey, we're going to hit you up. Otherwise, bro, the last, the last um, word is, for, is from you. Any words of encouragement for our men out there? Uh, to my fellas out there, I don't, I don't really know. I, just, <laughs> I, just, I, feel like, I feel like I've said a lot today. I'm just going to say to the boys, uh, just remember to have a smoko. Don't have a dart though. You don't need a dart. Put the Marlboros, put the Winnie Blues down, put the vape pens down. Just, uh, you know, go for a walk, chill with the boys. Um, remember to acknowledge who your people are and your friends are. Like, yeah, look after those people. Look after your mates. Awesome, awesome. Thank you once again, Sammy V. And so please like, subscribe, and look forward to your well thought out comments. And so, as usual, Jay, refine, unlock, unlock and take, take charge. charge. Bandit.